That's coming up on the GYST podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the GYST podcast, where we discuss topics to help you get your together. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of your favorite podcast, the GYST podcast, also known as Get Your Shit Together. Man, I have to say, everyone, like we sound better and better every week. I see Glenn nodding. Glenn, you've got yeah. a microphone right in front of you. You can. I do. You know, I, I think we sound excellent. They're we we amazing. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to start off with a shameless plug. As you know, if you procrastinate, that's a habit you want to get rid of. I just finished a book about procrastination. If you go to I'll do it tomorrow ends today dot com, it has all the details right there for you. So this is part two of an episode that we did last week, which is all about solo road trips. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, which would be episode 282, go back and listen to that first. This one will make more sense. Okay, and we're back. So in case you need to go listen to that, welcome back. So this episode, the first one we did, which was 282 about the solo road trip, part one was more about our individual our individual drives where we ended up going how we ended up there and more the the logistical facts and figures that will especially be attractive if you are a lion or an owl which is more the facts and figures kind of people this one is really meant for scott and i who are the koalas who are more in touch with our emotions and our feelings right scott affirmative so this one is going to talk about more of who we are, what we discovered about ourselves on our solo road trips, what things we overcame, what challenges we faced. And with that, I'll go ahead and start. So this road trip was, for me, very boring. The reason why I say that is usually when I do this trip, it's over the time span of about three days. I usually do it during Memorial Day weekend. I'll leave Saturday uh, I'm gone all day Saturday, gone all day Sunday, and come back late at night on Monday. So it truly is freedom. I can go wherever I want, whenever I want. I'm, I'm just in tune with where my heart leads me. I've ended up in eastern Washington. I've ended up on the peninsula. I've gone to plays. I've drank beer with random people. Uh, I've ended up at weird restaurants. I've been sleeping on the side of the road in my car. Uh, but it truly is complete freedom. So with this one, when I was restricted to 12 hours, it was tough. You can only go so far away before in the back of your mind, you're like, okay, I need to turn back around as well. And the part that I struggled with was for me, in my mind, I needed that to be, I need to go as far away from home as I can. And essentially what it just turned into was, a big round trip as far as I can go. Six hours one way, essentially, and six hours back. Well, you said you hit traffic pretty badly going over the pass, right? I did. Well, first, did. you went through the wrong pass. I went to the, <laughs> yeah, I went to the wrong pass, yes. And then, and for those who don't know, that pass is brutal. It's one lane freeway going each way, and if you catch it, people going back to the other side, it's, it's a crawl. I mean, it will take you an hour just to go, what, like two, three miles, if anything. Yeah. And... You know, so what was interesting for me is probably the highlight 
came from, so I, I did randomly run into my cousin and his girlfriend, which just blows my mind. Cause this is like three hours away from where they live. And we just met at a random bookstore. So that was really odd. But the, probably the highlight for me when it came to my own personal development and growth was I went over the pass and I'm heading towards Ellen, Ellensburg and I'm taking a, a back way that kind of uh, parallels some railroad tracks and I end up at this area that overlooks a river and I got out of my car and just stood there for probably 10 minutes and during that 10 minute span only one or two cars came by it's, it's it I, I don't know why but this is a road not traveled so much so I'm I'm taking a look at the river and no one's around like there's there's no uh, sign of any man. There's no, uh, and when I mean man, I just mean humans. Um, there's, there's no airplanes, no train, nothing. It was just silence. And I yelled out loud, just, ah. And what I noticed about myself, and this was, this was a big discovery was at first I, I did yell, but it wasn't really that loud. It was like, I didn't want to disturb anyone, even though no one was around. The other thing is we don't yell as adults. You know, as a, as a kid, you yell all the time, but, yeah. it, but as adults, you don't. Because it's frowned upon. It's yeah. like, hey, you know, use your inside voice. Right? You know, we're, we're trained to not puppy. do it. And so for me, I didn't know how loud I could yell. Like if I say to each of you right now, yell as loudly as you can, it's probably still not as loud as you truly can because there's still a part of you that's, that's holding back. And that's what I experienced. And so I said to myself, like, why am I not as loud as I can be? So I was like, okay, let's do it again, Rohit. And I screamed again. And it still wasn't that loud. And it wasn't until probably the fifth time that I truly was just like, ah, you know, as loud as I can. And I started thinking about why is that? Why am I still restricting myself? Why am I still holding myself back from, from screaming and yelling at a place where there's no one? In the back of my mind, a little bit was, well, I don't want someone to hear me thinking that I'm in trouble and, you know, causing, causing a panic. But truly, there was no one there. So that road trip for me, I was starting to play that. Like, why was I not being as loud as I could. I was playing it safe. I, 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 don't, I didn't know why, but some part of me was holding myself back, was preventing myself from being as loud as I possibly could. And what, what's silly about all this, it's, a, it's literally just an abandoned kind of road. There's, there's not much traffic there. And I started thinking about where else am I doing that in my life? Where else am I playing it safe in my mind where, where I'm imagining that I'm disrupting other people, right? If I, if I scream out loud and someone else hears me, they're going to think I'm in trouble and they're going to come save me. Where else am I doing that? Not necessarily yelling, but using, using that as a metaphor to where else am I playing it safe? And I realized a lot of it has to go back to my circle of influence. My, the, the people that are closest to me, and one of the things that, uh, Patrick, you and I talked about was 
uh, there's that exercise that we did where it's all about realizing, are you holding yourself back from those around you? Are you afraid to move too forward ahead waiting for them to catch up? Do you hold yourself back to where they are? And the ultimate, the ultimate answer is no. You be the best version of you. And the best version of you is going to be the best version for all those in your life, everyone around you. If you can make, let's just say, uh, $50,000 a year, or you can make $500,000 a year, if you can make more, that's better for everyone else around you. Why don't you be the influence that helps rise other people? And I realized that so much of my life, I've been playing it safe in the hopes of downplaying myself to make those around me feel better about themselves. And when we, when we talk about these solo road trips, I'm not saying everyone has to have, you know, these, these big thought provoking, uh, uh, what's the Life word I'm looking altering. for? Epiphanies. Epiphanies. Thank you. Um, I'm not saying everyone needs to have that, but that's, that's just me. And I realized at that moment that I've been playing it safe in my life and I don't want to do that. But it's one thing to say that you don't want to do something, but you have to set up triggers for yourself to identify that behavior because I can say, I don't want to play it safe anymore. And it sounds great, but what triggers am I going to make myself aware of to know, hey, you're playing it safe now. And so that's the part that I need to follow up on and reflect on is how do I myself know I'm playing it safe? I, I can't go to my circle of influence because we all want different things. So what in other people's eyes could be huge advancements that I'm making to some of the more successful people that I know in my world of personal development, I could completely be playing it safe. I mean, I called myself out on that. And so that's the part that I need to work on now is how do I find those triggers and define them? So that for me, I would say was the biggest, um, the biggest thing that I, kind of overcame so whoo all right well for for 12 hours you got a lot out of that right yeah you really did so i mean so it's not my turn yet but (laughs) i had something similar just a little bit different on my journey but i think is glenn up next i believe yeah and and real quick before i hand the mic over to you glenn I, i think that's that's what i love about being a human the most is we all want different things. We all don't want the same thing. If right now, who's, who's going to be on this episode? It's myself, Patrick, Scott, Tia, and Glenn. If I ask each of you, describe to me your ideal house, they're all going to be different. Describe your ideal amount of money, they're all different. Describe happiness, they're all different. And I think that's what's so beautiful about humans is so many times we've, we are centered around poverty consciousness to where we think, There's only X amount of money. And as long as I have a little piece, I'm okay. No, sky's the limit because we don't all want the same thing. When you start justifying saying, you know what? I'm comfortable 
Uh, I'm good with a hundred thousand. I don't need any more. You know, you're playing it safe. Mm-hmm. And that's not what this podcast is about. So with that, Glenn Rucks, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Why don't you tell us about your adventure, buddy? Cool. Now, on my my adventure, it was a lot of just empty road between Phoenix, Arizona, and when I got to civilization in California, Southern California. Um, a lot of the road was just empty, and it was at night. Now, when, when it's dark out and there are no no lights out on the sides of the road, you're hoping that someone drives by and they've got their headlights on. That's the only kind of interaction you have with people. When you're in the darkness by yourself, you can lose yourself real quick. You, you can lose sense of everything. You start to feel the loneliness. You start to feel anything, really. All of your emotions can bubble up real quick. And it was very stressful for the first couple hundred miles in that darkness um, I actually had to pull over and take a nap because it was that stressful. It was that tiring. Uh, it was that empty. And um, I don't know, that was, that was very earth-shattering to me to have no contact and no sight of any other life around me whatsoever. And I'm the kind of guy that loves to go up into the mountain and stay in a cabin alone away from people. But I usually do that in the winter when it's all snow covered and you've still got light no matter what. But out there in the desert, there was nothing. It was just pitch black. Um, and it's almost like those sensory deprivation. It chambers. was. It yeah. was very much like a sensory deprivation. I mean, I could hear, but I could hear my heart beating. Right. I mean, you could feel it beating. Um, I was aware of every single sound in my car, and it, it was intense. And then to get the contrast in the very next day in the morning when I got to civilization, when I got to San Diego, I mean, it was just going from one extreme of nothing to a bustling city, right? Where people are out walking around on the streets. You can see everything going on. You know exactly what to, what's out there. I mean, out in the desert, you didn't know it was, I couldn't tell if there was going to be a truck on the side of the road, um, broken down, or just abandoned. I couldn't tell what was going to be ahead of me. I could only see as far as my headlights. Um, but in the city, you see everything. And you see a lot of interactions going on. And it's, to me, that was reassuring in a way, right? After being in a place where you feel just empty and, and drained. Um, so the, the road trip for me was more... It was more a contrast in, in experiencing true loneliness and true, a true feeling of being alone versus, hey, you know what, I at least see some comforting sights here. I know exactly what's around me. I know what to expect. This is a city. You know, anything can happen in a city, but at least I see the people. I see what's around me. Um, I can experience things. And... Um, I don't know. That kind of broke me down a little bit. <laughs> Just that that loneliness feeling, and then coming back into a city where you where you've got sensory overload, no sensory experience whatsoever versus everything's happening. You're hyper aware at that point, and you're seeing everything in a new light. Uh, cars going by, my head was whipping around to see them. You know, um, people crossing the street. I'm stopping instead of slowing down. Right. Not doing that California stop. 
Sorry, California listeners. That that is still the lamest driving move ever. It's not a real stop. Sorry. Um, but it, it was it was eye opening for me to see just a complete contrast of nothing and everything. And that's that's something that um, I don't think you can really describe in words. Being involved in you know, or it surrounded by nothing. And then being surrounded by everything all at the same time. Glenn, you you used an interesting word, lonely. Yeah. And alone. What is for for you, what is the difference between loneliness and solitude? Well, solitude is is more planned for me. When, when I want solitude, I'll go somewhere to be alone, to get away from something. This road trip was not planned, right? I didn't know what to expect. So not having that control, not having that understanding of what's around me, not being able to see anything. I mean, literally losing. Thank you for the reminder on my time. <laughs> but not being able to actually experience and see and feel and touch something around me other than my car. I mean. You have no idea how dark that was out there in the desert with no lights, no highway lights, and long stretches where there's no traffic. None. I mean, there, there was a whole hour and a half where I didn't see a single car. I was insane. And I don't know how people could actually survive doing that. Truckers, if you're a trucker and you're listening to this, and you take that stretch on Highway 60 between Phoenix and California, you know, and I, I have much respect for you guys because you put yourselves in a place where you can't really experience anything. I've gone on that road in my game, so I can. It's dark. It's, it's exactly the same. Yes. I mean, it's long stretch. It's, it, it's a two lane highway. Yeah. So anything Forever. can happen. Anything yeah. can happen. You know, if someone doesn't have their lights on and they decide to just plow into me, that, that could happen at any time. You won't see them before that, you know, your headlights hit them. By then, it's too late. Not to mention just the fear that probably goes in. What if you get a flat tire? What if you run out of gas? What if you, you know, like you said, some, something well, happens? Especially because, you know, when I first got on Highway 60, it was still relatively light out. The first thing I saw was a big-ass tarantula walking across the road. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an arachnophobe. Oh, Rohit you knows, shouldn't have told me that. I almost threw him through a wall once at work. Oh, it was I'm kind of fun. evil. Um, but yeah, that, that's the thing, you know, when, when it's dark like that, if I got a flat tire, I wouldn't be getting out of my car until it's light out. Yeah. After seeing what I saw, hell no. Big ass spider. Not to mention the kangaroos. <laughs> wrong, wrong country. Wrong continent too. Yeah. I'm, I'm not exactly driving through the zoo. Although going to San Diego zoo, I wouldn't mind going there again. That was, that was always fun as a kid. And I probably should next time. But, uh, Scott, you're up. Tell us about your trip. So, for you, you said loneliness and solitude. For me, it was solitude because I chose to go on this quiet, peaceful trip. And I feel like solitude is something you control. Loneliness is something is external forces forcing you to be, you know, alone and experiencing all this. Uh, the hardest thing for me when I took off was just breaking myself away from work and everything that ties me back. I'm leaving. I was like, oh, do I have time to do this? Oh, what's going to happen? I also just worked at a wedding, 
and did flowers for a wedding. I'm like, I, I'm wondering how the flowers turned out. And I, it took me so long. It took me about an hour of driving for me to finally be able to slowly dim that down. And it wasn't until I hit like the deep forests of 101 is where I turned everything off and I started to enjoy the drive and the solitude. Um, I also discovered about myself that like, I don't enjoy the small things. Like, I don't remember the last time I actually sat and watched the sunrise. Because most of the time a sunrise, I'm like, I'm getting to work. That's that's my clock. That means I have to start. As a farmer, the sun's up, there's light out, you have to start doing something or else you're wasting the day. So when I was driving out, you know, I took a little bit. I just took the long route. I stopped, watched the sunrise through uh, over in Port Townsend, and then I took off from there. I also realized that um, I do have rage issues when it comes to driving. Um, I, I don't know if it's rage more so. I think, bro, you could like agree with me here. There's certain rules of the road that if people don't follow the rules, it bugs me. Right? Yeah, just, just common courtesy. Yes. Yeah. Just like Rohit. And so I, I only remember this because on when Rohit and I did a drive once, we were we hit traffic, and he says, "I hate these people who go. They get off the freeway and they wait in light and they cut through on the other on ramp." And he gives me shit about my attitude on the road. I don't want to hear it so, anymore from you. For yeah. me, the one hundred and one is a one lane. It's a beautiful, gorgeous drive, and I want to. For me, I like to be feel like the road is just me on this road, and so I don't mind if cars are in front of me. But if you're going below the speed limit, it is the law where if you have five cars behind you, you have, they have turnoffs that you're supposed to turn off and slow down while all the other cars pass you. Well, there was a lady who was in front of us, um, that she was going about 10 miles below the speed limit. And I I was, I was stuck behind her and I was a little upset because now I'm, I'm not on my road trip anymore. I'm on her trip. I'm stuck in her, her path, her, her lane, everything. And then I didn't realize until I looked back in my rearview mirror, there was over a dozen of us. So I tapped on the horn to kind of hint to her that she should pull over. And I got the one finger salute <laughs> and got a little angry. Probably not my best moment, but I started to tailgate her to the point where she got the hint. And then when she pulled over, I don't think she realized because I was in a bigger car that she had about a dozen more cars behind her. So we were able to go and we were able to like continue a steady flow through the whole one-on-one forest and everything. And it was gorgeous. I had fun. I hit traffic a couple more times and, you know, rage started to build up again. And that's when I pulled off. Uh, there was a dirt road I pulled off on. It was in the mountains. It might have been a logging road. And I went off-roading and a car that I rented that I paid for the full insurance. So I was probably covered. So I went off and I just started mashing it down this dirt road. Not going crazy fast, but just love seeing the dirt fly. And that was like a great stress relief because... Honestly, I would have never done this. I probably would have just stayed behind her, bit my tongue, and I couldn't pass her or anything. I just would have sat there and would have ruined my entire trip through this beautiful stretch of road that I think everybody should go on if you ever get a chance to go on the 101. But, and then once I got over that, that's a great reflection on me because most of the time I just have to be polite because that's what society expects. You know, uh, you can't speak out, and I'm glad that I would gather the courage when i realized there was other people in the same boat as me that was able to get her to pull over granted probably not the best way to do so but and then and if you guys listen to the last episode uh, i love happy coincidences like happened to rohit happened to me i was in ocean shores and i ran by this flag of rohan and i had to call my buddy don who i realized had just moved there probably a couple months ago i'm like hey 
is this your house? And he's like, yes. So made a pit stop, said hi, got to catch up for a little bit. Didn't want to stay there too long because I had a road trip I wanted to do. So as soon as I left, um, I remember as a kid, we I had I was on a moped. I'm not a kid. I was probably 18. But one of the happiest moments, like we rented a moped and I just went out in the the beach and everything. I was just gunning it and I just like, what's to stop me now? You know, enjoy the little things. I've realized I'm a kid at heart. Um, probably not the best thing, but like what I remember are the funny sounding street names or the kind of almost like dirty sounding street names. That's how I kind of path my way through certain towns. There was a road in Squim that I decided to follow it all the way to the end because it was called Kitchen Dick Road. <laughs> so I decided, I'm like, I'm going to go I'm all sorry. the way to the end of the Dick Road. I'm sorry, we had a bit of a technical difficulty. What was the name of the road again? Uh, Kitchen Dick Road. Okay. And it was, I'm glad I went on it because I drove by over a dozen lavender farms and I went back and hit the 101. And where I made a turn was I was in a town called... Uh, Hump Tulip or Tulip Hump Town? Uh, hump Tulips. Hump Tulips, yes. Yeah. So I, I saw the name of the town. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And I just turned off, and that just made me veer towards Ocean Shores, apparently. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a kid at heart, like stupid, crude humor. And I embraced the hell out of it during that trip. Uh, and then the other thing I realized was when I ended up going to the casino, I realized I really don't like gambling. Uh, for me it hurts me a lot when I lose money is because I know every process of that money, how I earned it. You know, it's just not me. I lost $80. That's what four bouquets for me, but it's just not four bouquets. It's four bouquets of flowers that I took the time and effort out of my day to plant and grow and harvest and arrange. And I was like, wow, this is really hard for me to spend this money like this so easily. Like so much hours, my blood, sweat and tears gone in like 10 minutes. But it was entertaining because I did get to talk to a lot of the locals that made me, that was probably the only interaction I had during my trip, aside from visit, stopping by my friends. Well, I mean, my takeaway from it is like, I have to enjoy the little things. Sunrise, sunset, that was one of the most beautiful sunsets I saw going down to Oregon. I, I was just pulled off to the side of the road. I couldn't even tell you what town I was in. And then embraced my inner child. But that was my trip. I had way too much fun. I want to do it again. Tia? All right. So I've got, I've got two major takeaways that I want to touch on. Um, the first one was I was not looking forward to this experience at all. I had so much anxiety. I was like, okay, the one rule is you don't plan anything. And I felt like every time that I even think about this upcoming road trip, I'm planning it. And just that whole process was, was making me so nervous for even going on the, on the road trip. And so I, I, I'm much better than I used to be um, of, in terms of being spontaneous, going into something and not planning every single minute of it. Um, I think Rohit will, will attest to that. But, but yeah, this, this experience brought up all the anxieties again of, of me, me not having a destination and, oh my God, what am I going to do? So, um, like you, Scott, it took me, I think two or three hours before 
I was able to turn off the internal thoughts in my head that had like the anxiety about, okay, where am I going? Like, why? Stop, stop thinking. See, that, that throws me off because one, I, I get anxiety trying to plan stuff. That's, that's my big thing. So when I don't plan stuff, I'm just like, okay, cool, whatever. But if I have to plan something for me, I'm like, wait, that means I have to take an additional time off of it and then look up stuff. It's, I can't, I, I appreciate that you could do that on like, like snow tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's always I, good to have a planner. The, the structure, I think the structure offers a little bit of comfort. So this was, as I said, anxiety inducing. And so for the first couple hours on the drive, I was just in my own head, just thinking, what am I, what am I doing? You know, what, what's the next step? What, what should I be doing? And then at the same time, scolding myself for thinking about that because I'm planning. So it was like this cyclical nature that was driving me crazy for a while, <laughs> for, for a good, I'd say three or so hours. So I think just having that experience made me stop and reflect. And I think one thing that I took away is I need to find strategies to, to turn that, that inner voice off and just, just let go, just be, just live. And that's something that, that I want to work on, you know, after, after having this experience. Um, but the other thing that, the other takeaway I had was, so I made um, a conscious decision to, to drive a certain way. So when I drove down to Oregon, I made a rule that I'm going to stay in the right lane, no matter what. Not driving in the left lane, um, not passing anyone, just staying in the right lane the whole way down. So the opposite of me. The opposite of what I <laughs> usually do. <laughs> so on the way down, I did that. Um, and that's not usually how I drive. Rohit will we'll attest to that as well. And, um, and then on the way home, I would drive the way I normally do. And so after doing that experience, I came home and I reflected on how I felt. So going down, it was so much more peaceful. It was so much more relaxing. You know, I wasn't looking over my shoulder constantly. I wasn't, um, wasn't worried about, oh my God, am I, go am I going fast enough? Yeah, you know, somebody I, behind me, following me, tailgating me. Exactly. You know, I, was, I wasn't paying super attention to the, the speed limits. You know, I was just going with the flow and it was, it was really, really relaxing. And I don't usually drive like that. I will say it probably took me about a half hour longer than it usually does to get to Oregon. Um, but, but that's okay. And then reflecting on coming back, you know, it's, it's a little bit more stressful. You know, I'm, I'm looking behind me. I'm, I'm working on passing people and, and making sure I'm not, you know, parked in the left lane and just worried about everyone else. What time did you come back? Um, probably started the journey up like three or four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's still light out. Okay. Yeah. So bad. do you think that anxiety on the way back was because you, you realized you were coming back? You, you were actually focused on getting back home. You had that destination. Not even that. I mean, like I, I knew that. Rohit was going to be home, so I, I wasn't worried about Goober or anything. But I think 
just it, it made me stop and think about the way that I normally drive and reflecting on I'm always I'm just thinking about the destination right I'm just trying to get there the fastest way possible and um and it can be stressful driving that way and then it makes me think you know what else in my life am I doing that you know just trying to get to the destination but not not appreciating the journey and so that that was a really big reflection that I took away from it and and I think I think it's gonna change some of my driving habits just in terms of god (laughs) (laughs) there's gonna be less accidents and deaths on the freeway now thanks but yeah I mean that that peacefulness that calmness you can get it on the roads um if if you try if you drive a certain way so um those those are my two takeaways I, I would definitely do it again yeah, I think um, the anxiety of of doing it in the first place is I've, I've learned from it. I've done one now. And so I think it'd be easier to just pick it up in the future. Hmm. Patrick. <laughs> All right. So I have a unique perspective on this. I believe I was the first one who completed the solo. And that was about a month and a half ago. So I've had a month and a half to analyze, reflect, and deep dive. But also, I may be the only one outside of you doing your trip to London. Amy and I did a road trip a few weeks after. So I got to see what it's like solo, and I got to see what it's like with, you know, my favorite person in the world and and what difference there was. Wait, I was in London. I know, you were in London. I pretend I was there. So, I... Didn't really care for the solo. Uh, I didn't do much. In fact, I, f- I feel that I spent more time in my head imagining things that I was doing than actually doing things. Uh, and the things that I ended up doing were things I would do with other people. Nothing I did was truly what I feel like I would normally do myself. For example, I would go swimming, I would go hiking, I would go climbing, I would go drive in these various things, but I held back out of fear as I was alone, which is not something I often do these things by myself. Now, when Amy and I did our our duo trip, I went crazy. I was climbing, I was swimming, I was being adventurous, and it got me thinking on why that was. Am Am I not me by myself, or am I not me around other people? And this is like the true reflection of who I was on the solo drive. So it's it's been interesting to reflect on this and go, well, I had the opportunity to do whatever I wanted to do. There were no limits. There were no restrictions. The only rules, outside of the ones for, you know, going by yourself, I make the agenda. I could have done anything. And instead I wandered at a park at a town three and a half ish miles south and just kind of sat there and looked at the water and, and the people and go, ah, this is fine. Prefer a movie. Don't really want to hunt one down, but, or, or this riverboat cruise that had a dinner there that I was thinking about doing. Eh, didn't sound fun by myself. So I got back in the car and drove, which was honestly the highlight of the trip was just being in the car alone and being deep in my thoughts. And, and that felt the most safe. And I think that's the problem. 
I wasn't present when I was out of the car. I was on a heightened, more or less kind of mode, just being safe, you know, making sure people are around, making sure what I'm doing, if something were to go wrong, what's the plan there? But when I'm in the car driving 60 miles an hour in a straight line, I don't have to think about those things. I can just turn my brain off and follow the, the taillights and get my head. And that was the most exciting part. I really enjoyed just being alone in the car, but not really alone out of it. Would I do this again? Yes. Uh, would I do it very differently? Yes. Um, the, the interesting thing about was why in my head did I seem to do a lot of different things that I wanted to do? I wanted to be there at night. I wanted to see the stars. I wanted to go to the ocean. I wanted to find a place I've never been and, and be at a lake. I wanted to swim. I wanted to run. I wanted to scream like you did, not realizing that that's something I wanted to do. None of that. I played it way too safe. Uh, more so than I would normally play it safe. And I don't know if that's just because I'm not used to being alone like that or, or solitude. Um, but in contrast with these other adventure-like road trips, but with other people, very different side of who I would be. So it was, it was enjoyable, but it was kind of boring. May I ask you a question, Patrick? Yes. Uh, if you don't mind diving in a little bit, because it, I, I think uh, I might have a little bit of insight here. How old were you last time you were single? Single? Uh, I was 20. Okay. So before you could drink, before you could essentially define who you are now, right? Yeah. You've been in a relationship the whole time with Amy. You met her, you were dating for years, you have been married to her for years. You have always done things with her. Yeah. Being alone now changes that. And when you are in a relationship, it's to truly grow as a couple, you have to be individuals. It got me thinking about why I do things. Um, am I doing the things that I would do for fun? Am I doing it for me or am I doing it for others? Mm -hmm. Am I showing off? Am I putting on a performance? Am I just trying to entertain those around me? Like when I went out with her and her sister recently, we did kind of a hike and I would do crazy stuff. Was it for me though? I had a blast doing it. But would I have done that if there was nobody else looking? Absolutely not. It's, it's really tough to, there, there's so many people who, when you take a look at their relationship, right? Their relationship is always defined as the two of them together. It's Amy and Patrick, Amy and Patrick, Amy and Patrick. It's never Amy and Patrick. And what I mean by that is so many couples do so many things together that you start catering to the other person, even without really knowing that you're doing that. If there's someplace you want to eat, but you know only you really like it, the other person doesn't really like it, how often are you really going to eat there? Probably not too often. Yeah. One of the things that uh, T and I do is truly separate ourselves to get to know each other. And it's, it's difficult because not only do we live together, we essentially work together. 
she's five feet away from me at all times. But for example, when we were in London, every day at the end of the night, I would ask her, what was your highlight? What was the best thing that you ate? She would ask me the same thing. And what that did is that allowed us the freedom to be individuals. Uh, Also, there are times when even though we're together, we'll go off in separate directions. Say just a mall. Okay, let's meet back in two hours. It could be as simple as that. We've even does that. We've even done that at Disneyland. Okay, you go this way, I go this way, and then when you come together, you're you're not only re, reliving the moments that you had, but now you're getting the chance to share it with someone. And I would say, I would suggest maybe that's one of the reasons why this was difficult for you is because you're realizing. The last time you were alone with Patrick was when you were 20. No, it was, it was way, 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 way before that. Cause I had different groups that you could consider as a relationship in a sorts, but not quite like that. Um, no, I would say the last time it was truly me was probably 10, if not less. So, but this could be a really good topic for another day. Cause I really want to dive into it more on, on, because I would argue I feel I'm a better person when I'm around others than myself. So what does that say? Mm. Well, I, I do think that's an excellent topic, um, one that we should explore in the future. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap this episode up, this, this two-part series, there's a lot we want to share with you. And if you go to our website, gystpodcast.com, you're going to be able to see a lot of the things that we want to share with you. Uh, we're going to have maps of where we went, pictures, videos. Not only that, but I'm going to challenge each of the five of us to do a little bit of a recap of, of what it meant for us so, so you can find out what that's like. A couple of key takeaways. I think if we were to offer to do this again, everyone would say, I want more time, which... When you think about, you know, like Tia shared at the very beginning for her, even just getting in her car and going somewhere was difficult because as, as someone who needs stuff planned out to not have a plan now is very difficult. The challenges that Glenn, Tia and Patrick faced are way different than the ones that Scott and I faced. Scott and I to, to do this, to truly have no plan and just listen to your heart we can do that all day long. That's within our comfort zone. But for those who are more analytical, we appreciate what you guys went through. The challenges that you faced, we know what that's like because we faced them ourselves. The interesting thing is if you spoke to anyone else about your trip on your trip, you know, you speak to the locals, they're all really interested in what you're doing. Because deep down, this is something that's so unheard of that we hold ourselves back from even the thought of it. If you tell someone you went on a solo no plan road trip, what are they going to start saying? Oh, I wonder where I would go. Well, right then that defeats the purpose because you're not listening to your heart. When you're listening to your heart, what you're doing is you are trusting your intuition. That is something that comes naturally to some people, but very difficult to others. And they are jealous because they wish they could do the same thing. The freedom that's truly involved is incredible. The other thing is, 
you truly get to do what you want to do. And even though that might sound simple, it's difficult to truly understand because we're so used to adhering to what other people do, what other people want, what other people's comfort zones dictate. To understand that this is truly about you is difficult. And the other thing is, if you take the five of us, right? At the very minimum, the five of us have at least four other friends, each other, right? We wouldn't come together spending our time together if we didn't care for each other, which means each of us finds value in everyone else, meaning that you at this very moment have at least four people who value you, trust you, and love you. So if that's the case, why can't you get to know that person too? Why can't you get a chance to hang out with Scott? Why can't you go on a road trip with Glenn and find out what things you like to eat? Why can't you drive in the slow lane with Tia and just listen to music and be at peace? Why can't you be with Patrick and his analytical side wondering why he's not jumping into a lake? Why can't we spend time with ourselves without being on our phones, without using some other form of distraction? And I'm going to ask one more question as we're already at 45 minutes here to the, each of you just looking for a yes or no, no judgment at all. Would you do additional challenges like this that put you outside of your comfort zone? Yes. Yes. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh we a got lot of hesitation there. Hesitant. Wow. Oh, he hesitated. Oh, and that speaks volumes. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for being a part of the journey with us. We did this specifically for the podcast because we want to bring value to you. We want you to see and hear not only about the difficulties that we go through, but we appreciate and value the difficulties that you go through as well. So with that, this has been another edition of the GYST podcast. Thank you very much for listening. We love and appreciate each and every single one of you, except for that one person. Thanks everyone for listening to our GYST podcast. We hope you learned how to get your together. 